been asked to do this, and it's not hard for me to answer yes, <laughs> since uh, has been for uh, 23 years now, the passion of my heart, really. But uh, uh, so it's always a pleasure for me and a blessing to be able to talk about the ministry that we've had in those islands called the Philippines. But to uh, begin with, this morning, I'd like for us to turn over to the fifth chapter of the Revelation. And uh, it, it's familiar verses, again, to all of us, I believe, but uh, still they're wonderful verses. And we begin reading uh, in, uh, I guess, verse uh, 6. He says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. God has determined this, of course, before the foundation of the world. He ordained it, preordained it, foreordained it, however you want to look at it. But the question is, how did he go about uh, fulfilling it? And the answer to that is by the preaching of the gospel. He has given to man, to us, to you, to me, to all of us that are his, the blessed privilege of being witnesses. As he said just before his ascension, he said, Ye shall, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Leave no doubt about it. But again, uh, how did he go about doing it? Well, in the fourth chapter of John, he tells us, first of all, that the uh, fields are already white unto harvest. We have nothing to do with the regeneration, but we certainly have something to do with the preaching of the gospel, which is the call of God for all of his elect and that he has redeemed out of the earth. And so it's been, uh, again, my blessed privilege to be involved in this uh, ministry that we call Mission to the Philippines. Now, I'm going to give you some other uh, inst instances of uh, the ministry itself, but um, I want to just uh, start by saying all of this began long before it started. 
Now that might sound like a funny statement, <laughs> but let me explain. There was about 12 years in my life, in my ministry, during my ministry, that the hand of God off and on, thank God it wasn't a continual thing, but off and on, the hand of God was so heavy upon me that uh, I could scarcely eat, could scarcely sleep. About all I could really do was just pace the floor, begging for grace, begging for mercy. Now, I won't bore you with a long uh, uh, diatribe on that, but just bring this up to say there's one during one of those times when uh, that was going on and I was go I was in the kitchen of our our house or where we were living at the time my head was so heavy it was hanging down and as I walked out of there that kitchen into our dining area there was an impression that came to me that was so strong that it jerked my head up and the impression was simply this I will give you a people from that time on I began to pray that God would fulfill that and for the next eight years or so there were times when there would be an influx of people into the church and I would think this is the fulfillment or the beginning of the fulfillment of that which I believe that God gave me an impression of. But as fast as they would come in, they would also leave. And there was a, at least three times during that period, that eight-year period, when this would happen and take place. And... But I never, never gave up. I continued to pray that uh, God would fulfill what I considered to be a promise. And so one day there arrived a letter in the mail, and I opened that letter, and it was from a one of the indigenous Filipino preachers, and I read that letter. And uh, again, for time's sake, I'll try to shorten it, but uh, I read that letter, and then I wrote him a letter in response. And as I had received letters before in the mail from some foreign countries, and when I would write them and tell them what our, our doctrinal stand was, that would be it. I never heard from them again. So I thought, well, this would be the same way. So I wrote the letter and sent it off, but lo and behold, here came another letter immediately after that, and this man was saying, well, he believed the same thing. And then, and this was in uh, July of 1998, and then there was another one of the indigenous uh, preachers that began to write me, and then a third one. And this got, went on until about the 1st of December of 1998. 
And when I received a letter which was signed by all three of these men asking me to come to the islands to conduct a three-day Bible conference in the city of Davao on the island of Mindanao. Well, I never had any thoughts of going out of the country. I hardly had any thoughts of going out of the state of Texas. But uh, so I immediately sent them a letter declining that invitation. Well, here come another letter right away. And they asked me again to come and to just consider it. And so I told them, I said, well, all I can do is make it a matter of prayer, and I will do that, and I did. And um, to make a long story short again, um, God impressed me that I needed to go to that country. I didn't know anybody there except uh, through the letters of these three men. I didn't know anything. I had nothing to do with their language, their customs, their culture. I knew nothing about them. But I was impressed that I needed to go, and the church uh, uh, agreed that I should go. And so uh, a date was set for the first week of March of 1999, and so uh, a couple of days before that, I found myself on a plane uh, bound for the city of Manila. And from that point on, it gets interesting. <laughs> uh, I arrived in the city of Manila at the airport, international airport, about 10 o'clock at night. And again, knowing nothing about any of this, um, but I did make my way through the customs and all of that and uh, out into the uh, large area. And there was a man that came up to me and he wanted to know if he could take me to a hotel. But I told him, I said, no, I, I have somebody that's supposed to meet me here at the airport and conduct me, you know, along the way. Well, come to find out, first of all, that no one except those directly uh, involved with the the airport and its operations were allowed inside. So, okay, well, where would this person be? Well, he would be outside. So I go outside of the terminal and here is a mass of people out there. And again, this is, uh, uh, by this time, it's about 11, 11.30 at night. And it, first of all, it's difficult to see, poor, very poor lighting. But I was looking for this man. He was supposed to have a placard and where I could see his name and everything. So I walked up and down that uh, line never could see him. Well, in the meantime, this man that first approached me about taking me to a hotel was there, and he was come up every little bit and asked me to if I could let him take him, me to a hotel, and it wasn't long, and there was a second man that joined him. So 
they wanted to help me then find this man that was supposed to meet me. Well, they tried and they couldn't find him. Well, maybe they suggested that he misunderstood and he was at the domestic terminal instead of the international. So we load my luggage into a car and we take off. And of course, uh, again, I'm totally naive to the fact that uh, there's all kinds of dangers in that place. They could have done anything to me that they wanted to do. And I probably would have been pretty well helpless. I would have put up a pretty good fight, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, in the end, I probably would be helpless. But anyway, we go to the domestic terminal, and it's totally black. There's not a person there of any description. So we go back to the international terminal, still nobody found. By this time, it's been about 48 hours since I've had any kind of rest, any kind of sleep, and my mind is is just totally uh, without, <laughs> is almost dead, and my body also. At this point, I'm 56 years old. Anyway... I finally relented and let them take me to a hotel. So they take me there, help me get my stuff in, in, checked in, get my luggage up to the room. And um, I paid them then. They uh, asked me for $20 a piece to, for having helped me do all of this. So I did. I paid them, and they start to leave the room. Well, the last thing that they wanted to know is if I wanted a companion. And I tell them in no uncertain terms, I did not want a companion. So they leave, and again, I'm just totally, absolutely exhausted. And here I am, what do I do now? What have I got myself into? And then it dawned on me. Pray. And so I knelt down beside that bed and I prayed. And all of a sudden, vigor came. My body felt strong. My mind cleared up. And from that time till this, I've had practically no trouble at all in the many times and the many hours that I've spent in that place. So as a consequence, I got a hold of the clerk of the hotel, asked them if they had a car that could take me to the airport and what time the, the, the airport opened up at the domestic terminal because I was going to have to fly from Manila down to Davao City. It's about a, a, maybe an hour and 45-minute flight. So they tell me, and I made arrangements for them to take me to the airport at 3 o'clock that morning. Well... Uh, they had already been, like I said, about 48 hours 
and now it was going to be longer than that. So I went down at 3 o'clock for them to take me, and here's these two men, and they wanted to take me back to the airport. I first reluctantly did not want them to do it. I didn't really want anything to do with them. But the hotel people were, it was obvious that they were working in cahoots with one another. So I finally, finally agreed for them to take me to the airport, and they did. So I went in, I bought my ticket, I got on the plane, and we flew to Davao City. <clears throat> I got off the plane there, and in the terminal, there's these big plate glass windows where you could look out, and I looked down. And I recognized some of those, two of those men that had been writing me because they had sent me pictures. So I go down and I find them there and we, uh, <clears throat> they take me to a hotel and we get all checked in and everything and then they wanted me to do certain things and show me certain things in, in the city there and where we would be meeting and so forth and so on. So we did all of that. <clears throat> By the time we get all of that done, I go back to the hotel and get uh, kind of refreshed. It's time for us to go to where we were going to get together that evening, which was the little uh, bamboo hut of uh, the first man that wrote me. So we go there, and his wife and the wife of one of the other pastors, they were fixing our evening meal. So we talk, and we fellowship, and they get they serve the meal, and we uh, were just sitting around fellowshipping. I think there were, if memory serves me right, there were eight men besides myself that were there and we were just sitting there fellowshipping and all at once one of the men come to me and they said we're ready for you to preach well I had no notice no inclination at all that I was going to be asked to do that but God gave me a message it gave me a message on the unity of the body of Christ. And I preached that message, and uh, uh, Brother Demetrius uh, Indagan translated for me that, and that was my first experience there. That was my first, my first message, the first time I preached in the, those islands. Well, uh, again, we went, and then the next day, we were visiting around in that the city, uh, and we contacted a few people that uh, some of these uh, uh, pastors knew. Uh, one of them was a doctor. He owned a, a medical clinic there in the Toril district of Davao City, and uh, we talked to him, and uh, he was not enthusiastic at all, and I never thought he would uh, ever even show up to. We were inviting them to this conference, but uh, lo and behold, he did, but that's another story. 
maybe later on. But anyway, we had that three-day Bible conference there. Uh, besides that three-day Bible conference, I preached in several other churches around and also preached at a, a, uh, a school and uh, uh, there in, in that city. So we had plenty of opportunities to preach beside the Bible conference itself. But in the Bible conference itself, we, we uh, did the three-day uh, services, uh, beginning somewhere around 8 o'clock in the morning and usually go into 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And that's pretty well the pattern uh, of the whole the whole time that I've been going over there. So we had that Bible conference. There was ten of those indigenous pastors that were at that conference. And uh, after that conference was over, there was one pastor and three other men from the island of Bahal that had attended those those meetings. And when the, that conference was over, they came to me and they asked me if I would come to Bahal to hold a Bible conference there. So consequently, I did. And again, try and make this short and concise, but I did. And so in May of that same year I found myself going back to those islands and to the island of Bahal and uh, there we had another three day Bible conference uh, and then at that conference there was 54 of these indigenous pastors that were present and after that conference was over there was some of them came to me and they wanted me to come back to the island of Mindanao in August and hold three more of these three-day Bible conferences. So consequently, I did. I went back and we held those three on Mindanao, one in the, near the city of Cagayan de Oro uh, in the north. Uh, west part of the island of Mindanao, one in General Santo City, which is in the most southern tip of Mindanao, and then in the Turil district, district of uh, Davao City, indeed in the very place where the Dr. Malati, uh, we talked to him, not thinking that he would ever show up, but he did. He came to every service that we had of those Bible conferences and then he went with us everywhere we went and even to the airport on my way back home. So we, my point here is, first of all, I was never looking for God to send me anywhere like to those islands never asked for it but he sent me there I never asked 
for a place to preach have never to this day ever asked for a place to preach and yet there have been more requests asking for myself and those that have worked with me in that ministry over there to come and preach at their churches and to hold these conferences, these seminars, whatever you want to call them, uh, we cannot have never, ever been able to nearly fulfill all the requests that have been made for us to come. We've never asked to go anywhere, and but the requests have just come. Now at these conferences, these seminars, uh, most of the people and most of the, the, the preachers that are there are Baptists of some sort. They're, most of them are Armenian Baptists, but there are also many uh, alliance churches that have been represented, and every denomination that you can imagine uh, even to one, uh, how many of you have heard of Garner Ted Armstrong? We had one representative from his denomination, and I called it his denomination because that's exactly what it was. And I, I had an opportunity with this man to talk with him for a long period of time. And that's one of the things, if I'm not preaching, I'm usually answering questions or talking. Someone wants to talk, and they, they want to talk about Scripture. They want to talk about the things of God. Uh, it has been an absolute uh, uh, eye-opener for me to see how that God has put within the hearts of these people a desire to hear the word of God. I can guarantee you that if we today were in one of these locations in the Philippine Islands, this place would probably be packed out. It is not unusual for me to be preaching to a congregation that's filled the church, the building, and that there would be a multitude of people on the outside trying to hear and to listen in. Now, I've read about things like that that happened in this country, but I've never experienced it until I went over there. I've never seen the joy of people uh, in this country that I've experienced the joy over there. Uh, I've heard of my, my parents and my grandparents talk about people that, that uh, would, would get so uh, uh, happy, so blessed over the preaching of the word that they would begin to shout. I never had that, even close to it, I guess. Well, I did have one time. There was one... A uh, black lady that came to our church, her and her little daughter, that uh, come pretty close to doing that one time. 
But of course, we're all reserved, right? We don't do things like that. But uh, uh, I did have that to happen there. I've had it happen uh, quite a number of times. But again, my, my point here is that uh, uh, it's, it's a work of God, I believe, with all my heart, that it's a work of God uh, for many reasons. One, because of the way it began. Second, because of the way it has continued. And third, because it was me that God was using an old country boy that no seminary, no formal training in any respect for anything like that. I did not know the language at all, the culture and nothing. And I've said many times, I could feel, I, I could kind of sympathize, uh, I guess, with Abraham when the scripture says that he went out not knowing whither he went. And yet God has, he has prospered that work. And uh, uh, we have been to so many places. Uh, I tried to, I tried to figure it up one time several years ago. And uh, the best I could figure at that time, I think we had held uh, around 350 of these Bible conferences. And how many pastors, and you have to understand that uh, almost every village, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those villages, but nearly every village has a church and a pastor, at least one. And so there are a multitude of these pastors. And they come, and that's what we would do. There was some, some church, some pastor would invite us, and we would go there. And those pastors and churches all around in that area would hear of it, and they would come. And they would sit. And they didn't have benches like this. For the most part, and you can ask my wife, she went with me a couple of times over there. Most of the time, the benches were just bamboo that had been split and uh, just uh, put down on, uh, on some little stands that they could hold them up. No backs on them, no nothing. Uh, in these conferences, these people would come, they would sleep on benches or they would sleep on the concrete floors. Uh, they had a burning desire to hear the word of God. And that's all we did is just preach and pray and teach and sing some hymns that was the services now our little church has been blessed over the years to provide some of the 
earthly needs, the physical uh, needs, material needs of some of the people. And we have been also blessed and privileged to help several of them construct small buildings in which to worship or to pay the rent for them to meet in a place. Um, one Again, one of the, I'm telling you about preaching uh, to, to a, a congregation inside the building and some being outside the building. The first time I preached in Tagbalaran City in, on the island of Bahal, there was a little, just a little space there, uh, probably about uh, 10 feet uh, wide and maybe 25 feet long. And people were sitting on plastic chairs. And then for most of the adults, there was another adult sitting on his lap. And then there were people outside that building. And that's that's the 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 circumstances under which uh, we preached there. There's just been all kinds of experiences. There's no way that I can even begin to to tell you all of the experiences. But uh, again, there have been multiple times when that first experience, that very first message that I preached, uh, was almost. Uh, the the rule <laughs> we were on the island of Bahal and we went down in a cave they insisted that I just go down I wanted they wanted me to see this cave so we went down in this cave and again there was um, someone came to me and they say we want you to preach to us so I you know what light did I have so I just, God gave me a scripture, and so I preached to them. And that's, uh, that's the way it has been over and over again. Uh, we were in San Roque, and sometimes the men that were with me, they would uh, ask me to preach on certain subjects, uh, especially if it had to do with the sovereignty of God. And... Uh, we were in Stan Rocky, and they uh, asked me to preach. Uh, I forget now on on what one of the one of the five points that we would consider the five points of Calvinism. And some people don't like that that uh, term, but anyway. But before I preached, I had been changed four times to what I was supposed to preach on, but. God has been gracious, very gracious, to give the message, and those messages have been received with remarkable uh, enthusiasm and blessing. And so, uh, time's up here, <laughs> uh, and, but that's, I had some other things that I was going to uh kind of read to you but we won't have time to do that today but that that's just a very very brief uh, story of how this all began and something of why I believe 
that it is a work of God. So, um, one of you boys, yes, yes, sir. If you take just uh, one or two minutes, and you know, as of today, you know, so that we kind of know where, where to focus, uh, what the needs are. You know, your other church is basically not not there anymore. To, uh, so, kind of give us a two minute where we are today. Well, where we are today is that uh, uh, after we more or less disbanded our church, uh, we did have some money in the treasury yet, and so we've continued to send uh, support to the people in the Philippines that we had been uh, giving financial support to. And some money has continued to come in so that we've been able uh, all this time to continue that. And we, we have, uh, there is some money there yet. I just uh, sent off about uh, $1,800, I think, uh, yesterday or the day before, I forget. But uh, there, there still is uh, some money that is there and some money that is still coming in. I have in my pocket a check from one of the the men uh, for three hundred dollars. I have another hundred dollars in a hundred dollar bill from uh, one of our our dear uh, Primitive Baptist uh, uh, sisters up in uh, Northeast Texas. Uh, another dear brother is supposed to be. He has told us he's sending a check from Arizona. Uh, it should be coming any time. And uh, one of the former members uh, that lives out in West Texas, he's been sending some money uh, periodically to uh, help with uh, support it. And so at this point, we've again, we've been able to continue. And uh, we, we're actually sending a, about uh, an average of $2,000 a month. And what we do, again, we send it to certain ones that have proven themselves to be faithful, and uh, uh, we send it to them, and then they use it as they need to to help other pastors. And and sometimes we've got, uh, I think at this point, I think there's about three widows of pastors that have died that we're sending funds uh, to to kind of help them a little bit. Um, so uh, that's about where it stands right now, brother. Uh, what I would like, uh, if some one of you young men uh, would come uh, and maybe... I've got these... Uh, I, I started writing up each day when I was over there a... A journal, if you will. I call it my diary. And again, uh, when I got back home, I would type it up and send it out to different ones, uh, pastors, and so forth. And this one happens to be the, a, a journal of the uh, conference that we held the third trip over there in uh, 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 the. Let's see, this was at. Uh,
Well, this this was the third trip. It, it covered all three of those conferences that we had over there. So uh, maybe one to a family, I guess. Uh, you would hand those out. And in the meantime, thank you, brother.